Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tomorrow's MSP podcast, the voice of the medical services profession, where medical services professionals and industry experts contribute their voices about popular topics, including the impacts of artificial intelligence, MSP core competencies, department advocacy, leadership, and more. I'm your host, Lauren Leacoris, content editor for NAMS. Go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Chris Hinton, and I am currently the president-elect of NAMS. I am dual certified and have been an MSP for 20 plus years. I have served my fellow MSPs through NAMS as a director at large and chairperson of the education committee. I have also led the CBO task force and the provider enrollment task force. Over the years, I have served in many NAMS committees. The only one I haven't served on is the CCN. I have a deep passion for medical services professionals. And after retiring from my manager of medical staff services position at St. Luke's Magic Valley in Twin Falls, Idaho, I became an independent contractor. In this role, I am blessed to have the opportunity to work in varied positions within the MSP field throughout the United States. My name is Gwen Davenport. I am dual certified as well. I have been in the credentialings for over 25 years in various roles and very leadership positions. I have been a director at large. I've also served on the conference committee as well. I too have a passion for those who are MSPs to motivate them to move forward. Don't take the career lightly. You can be the best that you can and don't let anybody else stop you or bully you from thinking that this is just another field that you can get into that's, it's not secretary like it used to be, but I thank you know for the opportunity to be here today. I'm Elizabeth Beckel, and I'm the Director of the Medical Staff Services at Bergen-Newbridge Medical Center, and that's here in Bergen County, New Jersey. I've been in the medical staff services field since 1991, and my involvement with NAMS started back in 2005, so I was actually in the field almost 14 years before I even knew there was a NAMS, and then also became involved in my, at that time, my New York State local chapter, uh, NISAMS, which is the New York State Association for Medical Staff Services, and since 2017, and still a member of the New York State, but now also a member of the New Jersey local chapter as well. And I look forward to the podcast with my colleagues today. Tell me a little bit about the NAMS educational programs you have utilized and why. Well, at first, Credentialing 101 was a lifesaver when I entered the MSP field. I was a one-person office, and after one day of training, I was turned loose. (laughs) And through the Credentialing 101, I learned the basics required to meet the standards and to do my job correctly. I also met numerous instructors and other MSPs who became a lifeline as far as being able to pick up the phone and go, what does this mean? How do I do this? Do you have a privilege form for this, et cetera? And then from there, I had the desire and the goal to become certified. And so I took the CPCS course and I took the CPMSM course and became dual certified. 
And then I have continued on using educational materials from NAMS to continue in my field, because as you know, we are evolving continually and it's ever-changing regarding the regulations, et cetera. For me, it was interesting because I took the position not knowing what credencing was all about. I had been a medical staff secretary, so I knew as far as gathering the documents and forwarding that over to the hospital side but totally never involved as far as the operations side. And when I became involved, one of the things that was that my director immediately said, you must get involved with NAMS. And that was the best advice that she could have given me because it gave me an opportunity, not only a group that related to what I was doing, but it also gave me tools and resources that I could utilize as far as to do my operations because I too, I was put in a position with no one to mentor or coach me as far as what I needed to do. So I use these educational, the webinars, the conference, the people that I have met, you know, who have mentored me as well. So it is something that has encouraged me and uplifted me and makes me want to continue to move forth and promote NAMS. So as I had said earlier, I became initially involved with NAMS in uh, 2005, and I actually still remember. I had just started a new position in uh, Poughkeepsie, and 10 days later was a national conference in Arizona. And just at that point, I had realized uh, the benefits of the organization. And one of the things that I encouraged my colleagues is that, although it's, it's important to be involved in the local state chapter, a lot of those programs tend to be canned and because of the constraints in time. And what's nice about the national conference, whether you're new to the field or whether you've been doing this as a seasoned professional, you get to pick the classes and the sessions you get to go to. So you mirror it to what your needs might be for your organization, whether it's a joint commission survey that's forthcoming, you want to get with the standards if you went from a single hospital to a now a system hospital. So what I always found very helpful with the education programs using the comp- that particular conference as an example is that it permitted me to pick what I felt was what I needed to grow in in areas, as well as at the same time working with my senior management staff to what is the organizational needs, what, where, what we need to expand with medical staff services. What mentoring have you received and or provided during your career? I think one of the things that was so nice that I was fortunate as far as when I started in credentialing, probably within a year, my colleague was uh, Chip Peterson, who had a lot of knowledge in our office right next to me. So I kind of bounced on him a lot of things, encouraged me as far as getting certified. And at that time, I was in class in grad school, so I was trying to juggle a lot of stuff. And also, it gave me the opportunity to work with others. I know once I moved to Virginia, I teamed up with, uh, she's now gone on roof, and she's Rose Jackson, and she's going to be with the Lord now. But she was very instrumental with me in coming from Michigan to Virginia to learn all the different things as far as every culture is different. So it was all, I could always call on her. And then I had other people across the country I could call on. Or I could text or email and say, hey, what you going on with that? So I've had that. I have also, in addition, I had formal mentoring program with my organization and my health system. I was able to do leadership programs with my organizations that I worked for at the time. 
but it's so valuable when you have somebody who can relate to what you do. Most people don't even understand what we do. So to be able to have somebody to mentor me has been a very valuable for me. I find that the greatest mentorship is the networking that you have the opportunity to do with colleagues in the field. I, I keep referencing the conference, but the conference is, as much as I enjoy the virtual one last year, what I really did miss is just seeing folks that I know in the field face-to-face -face and just sharing, how do you handle this? Or how do you do that? Or we're having this issue with our bylaws. And that mentoring is, like I said, even though it's, we're very grateful to be able to do even a Zoom meeting and technology is very helpful, but there's something about just seeing your colleagues face-to-face and doing a roundtable sharing of how folks do is probably the best education one can receive and give. No, I don't have anything to add, but I do concur with what both Gwen and Liz stated. I often relate my fellow MSPs as my second family. And as Liz said, that sitting down and breaking bread together, going out to dinner and talking about what's going on in your office and just having that personal conversation is invaluable. And I do miss it. MSPs are the gatekeepers of patient safety, ensuring quality care through the credentialing and privileging of healthcare providers in an ever-changing industry. Expand your knowledge base and core competencies by visiting nams.org forward slash education. What process did you utilize in setting your educational goals? Okay, to be perfectly honest, at first it was fear. I remember going to my Credentialing 101 course and Carol Karens was the instructor there. And as I'm sitting through the class, I was going, oh, Lordy, what have I gotten myself involved in? And she just encouraged me that you don't have to know everything. You have the materials through NAMS, the educational materials to help you through this process. And so from there, I moved on to the man's mindset that this was going to be a career choice. It wasn't a job for me. And my first goal was to learn the basics, as I said, and then to become dual certified. And then, as I mentioned earlier, the field is ever evolving, ever changing. You know, we've seen in my course, CVOs come about. We've seen provider enrollment come about. And all of this has been put onto the MSP. And so unless we set goals and are educated on how to reach those goals, we will never meet them. So for me, it's just establishing goals to stay current in my field and to continually be educating myself through the NAMS resources of how to be the best MSP that I can possibly be and be valuable to others. I think it's very important to have goals. I know I had my academic goals that I wanted to achieve and I did that first. And then I went on to achieve what I wanted to do as far as being dual certified. And I remember when I took my first NAMS certification to PCS, it was also the week that I was finishing up my course in accounting for my master's program. 
And to have two exams in the same week, it's, it's interesting. Now my blood pressure went up, doctor wanted to put me in the hospital. I said, no, it'll be fine after Saturday after I take this last exam. I said, I'll be back Monday and I'll prove to you. And that's what happened. It all worked out, blood pressure went down. But to have goals for yourself and to achieve them. And like Chris has said, it's so important to keep current. Times are changing. This is a new world and we cannot do it the old way. That's past. I want to be part of what the new and what the future has. When I, the way I set my educational goals, a lot of times it has to do with what, when, whether it's in a facility you've been at a number of years or you just came on board, is to always look at what the organizational needs are. And a lot of times I've set my goals based on what the facility needs are at that time. And then looking at my skill set on where do I feel that I need to brush up on things. And that's what I find is, is like we've worked with my senior management team, look at the needs. I mean, are we revising privileges? Do we need to upgrade our software? Uh, should we be doing OPP or FPP differently? So I always found that I wind up, my goals change based on what the organizational needs are. And then how do I use my skill set to enhance where that facility is at that time? I've been in the field now 29 years, and I just took my, and have not taken an exam since I was in graduate school, and just became certified. And I have to thank Chris for that, because Chris actually was a consultant here at the facility that I met prior to getting hired. And that, that was a scary exam to take, only in the sense that the last time I took an exam was a long time ago. <laughs> but I'm glad to say that as of this fall, I am now a certified professional in medical services management. And that was a goal that I set for myself as well. So you're never too old to learn. That's one of the things I've told myself. And even though you, you feel you know this job and you do it every day, taking that exam and putting pen to paper is so much different than how we operationalize everything. But yeah, so like I said, one of my most recent goals was to attain certification. And now that I've achieved it, I'm going to make sure I keep up with my CEUs to maintain that. Uh, so there'll be different goals now because before when I took the, went to the conferences, I, I never really connected collecting those CEUs, and now obviously that's going to be a goal going forward as well. During these difficult times, what is your suggestion to other MSPs on how to take charge of their career utilizing the NAMS education opportunities provided? My suggestion to medical staff professionals is, I think first and foremost, it's important to have colleagues that you can reach out to. If I could recommend anything, I would recommend folks to become members of their school chapters. And so at least you have colleagues in the field that are in the same state as you. And then the next step would be to become a NAMS member to expand that membership even further. That membership opens up avenues for educational webinars, the ability to network with others in the field. Whether you're new to the field or you've been doing this for 20 years, we're all consistently learning. The ability to share forms and templates and network with others what they've tried and worked and what has not worked. I think the gift of our own talents is one of the best things that we can do. Well, I think one of the things too, as MSPs, 
a lot of times one of the first budgets that are cut is our conference and educational expense. And one of the things we have to do is market ourselves to our superiors as far as what we need to have, that we're certified in many of our job descriptions. It's required that you be certified. In order to be certified, I have to continue my education. So, and one of the things, particularly if you work in the hospital setting, is the partnership with your medical staff. That fund is separate from the hospital's budget. And it is usually not a moratorium as far as traveling. Also take advantage of your chapter and your state association as far as they may have a scholarship program for you. And also with the NAMS program, as far as apply for scholarships, you never know what will happen. In many cases, I've noticed in some chapters and states, there's only maybe one or two people that would apply for the scholarships. Your chances of getting it are great. And one of the things is always connect and always move forward as far as with education is very important. Once again, I have to go back to the point is that you have to make the decision that this is a career, not a job. And letting others around you know how important your job is and that the educational opportunities are out there. And a lot of times if you show that, hey, I'll pay half, your medical staff may come behind you and say, yes, we'll pay the other half for you to go. Look at the lattes that you buy. Putting aside $5 a week can really help in being able to purchase one educational course that NAMS has that will bring you farther along your professional track. Like what you hear on the Tomorrow's MSP podcast? Visit namsgateway.org to catch up on more content and insights from medical services professionals and industry experts. Why is NAMS Education Month such an important staple within NAMS educational offerings? And in what ways does Education Month specifically assist MSPs in taking the next step in their career? Well, it's always great when you recognize a month, and this month will be the Education Month. Because education is very dear to me and it's very important. And like Chris and Liz have said, this is not just a job you take. Take upon a career. And if this is your career, you have to move forward. You have to, so if there's certification, go for it. Don't just say, well, I'm just going to do this. It's very important that you keep up with the trend, what's going on. Do not be left behind because you were not adequate in your position. Too many companies now are merging downsizing, right-sizing, whatever you want to call it. They're transitioning and reorganizing. Be the best that you are. So when they come around to say, okay, this person is going to be fit for the position and where the other person, because they haven't prepared for themselves. So the software, let them know that you're, you're the person for that admin or that software. Let them know that you're the person that they go to when it comes to the expert for anything that deals with credentialing. So to me, it's very important that we promote education and be involved in the NAMS classes that they offered and the opportunities. If you can't go to the classes, maybe go to buy some of the resources that they have. And sometimes your association or your chapter will have a lending library that you can also get some of that information as well. Well, I think we need to keep in mind that NAMS is the primary source of education for the MSP. And we need to realize that course development doesn't happen overnight. It takes time 
to develop a quality program and also to train our instructors to provide the education that they are assigned to provide to us. And above that, we've talked about this before that it's ever changing. So what was in a book last year is totally different the following year. NAMS keeps abreast of those changes and develops their materials based upon those changes. In order to stay current with our CPCS, our CPMSM, NAMS is the go-to. And the mission of NAMS is education. And so this month, it gives us, or March, which is our education month, it gives NAMS the opportunity to show our membership what educational opportunities and materials we have for there, whether it be in webinars, in virtual programs, etc. And also it provides knowledge to state associations of the materials that can be brought to their state associations as well for educational methods. No, I agree with what Chris and Gwen are saying that the fact is you just, you go to the NAMS website and you have the opportunity to look up at the listings that are available to research on what you'd like to learn that particular month. I know in this past month myself, I've participated in about four different webinars that were NAM sponsored, particularly with the pandemic, that in itself, it was just nice to hear from other colleagues how they're doing Zoom meetings, how they're being required that they have to be, their directors and managers are saying, you, you know, you just, you have to, I wanna be able to see you and that you're dressed as though you're showing up to the office every single day. And you can't, like my camera not being working today, that wouldn't be acceptable. And they're requiring that you make yourself fully dressed for the Zoom meeting as though you'd be attending that meeting in person. Again, the education is there. And whether it's NAM sponsored or whether it's NAMS that's actually putting out the uh, education, it's there for the taking. So you have to take advantage of those opportunities. Why should NAMS be your go-to education source? Well, whether you're new to the field or you've been involved for years, there's something for you in our educational products. Learning the basics or becoming certified is essential to provide you with the interaction that you have with the medical staff, with administration, in promoting your field. It's not easy to do the job that we do but we choose it for a reason. It fits into our personality and into our goals. And we are the gatekeepers to patient safety. And that's key. If we're not educated, we cannot be guarding the patients that we may never meet, but that are coming into our facilities, whether it be a hospital, a a surgical center, et cetera. We've got to make sure that they are going to be treated fairly and safely. And we can't do that without being educated. We also talked about in our career, being educated, it gives us a competitive edge with our colleagues out there. It allows us to expand our knowledge and skills and It can also enable us to expand our earnings potential by becoming educated and being professional. And credibility is a lot that we have to share with our colleagues out there. 
Gwen and Liz both touched on this, that we are constantly being watched. We have to do what we do correctly because the first person they're going to come back to with negligent credentialing is to us. So we have to know our job. It's very important. We may not be earning money, but it only takes one lawsuit, one negligent credentialing because we were not educated on what we needed to do to waste a lot of money. Chris did a great job of summarizing that. And we really, it's, you know, it's very important on what we do. And we do not want to be on the news as far as our hospital for negligent credentialing. We want to be just the opposite. We want to be that expert witness or that expert person, not just for our organization, but for other colleagues. And we go to NAMS because NAMS is a place that we have our certification. They're our advocate. They are the ones who are going out with other organizations, key organizations, AMA, AOA, or Data Bank, or whoever. They're the ones that are supporting us, promoting us, and moving us ahead. I think one of the first sentences I heard Chris say is exactly she was reading my mind is whether you're a seasoned professional, whether you're new to the field, there's always something to learn. And uh, NAM certainly uh, hits that spectrum across the board, whether you're brand new to the field or whether you think you know it all, since sometimes we don't know it all. And NAM certainly is there to support us in the profession. Thank you for listening to the Tomorrow's MSP podcast, the voice of the medical services profession. I'd like to extend a special thanks to Chris Hinton, Gwen Davenport, and Elizabeth Backhall for joining us on today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tune in to the next episode to stay up to date on the latest news and insights. Read more in-depth articles on trending topics by visiting us at namsgateway.org. Until next time.